Hello and welcome to the Irish Catholic Podcast with me, John Quinn. This week I met with parish pastoral worker Frank Brown and discussed his involvement in Ecumenical Bible Week and especially how we can communicate the faith without being annoying. Okay, so I'm here with Frank Brown. You are a parish pastoral worker. I'm basically based in Clondalkin. There's seven parishes in what's called here the, the, the combined Catholic parishes of Clondalkin. So where a priest might be appointed to a parish, I'm appointed to a, a cluster of them. So I've got seven under my wing. There's actually two pastoral workers here, myself and Christine, uh, Christina Malone. Um, but yeah, fun. So one of the other things that um, I saw that you were uh, involved in is Ecumenical Bible Week, something that's coming up uh, in May. I just wondered if you could give us a bit of a background to that, because it's something that I've heard a little bit about and uh, perhaps people have seen posters for but they might necessarily know what it is. So could you just tell us a little bit about um, your involvement with that and what you know of Ecumenical Bible It's basically come from the Dublin Diocese and also the Diocese, the uh, Church of Ireland Diocese of, uh, of Glendalough, or if I can remember rightly. Um, there's about 18, 20 different uh, Christian denominations involved. It's been going for the last, I think it's five, six years now it's been going. And one of the things we realised from the very beginning was that uh, there's a need, there's a, a, a hunger to get back in touch with scripture. Uh, and something ecumenical, ec- ecumenically that we share is that love of scripture, that searching of scripture, that exploring of scripture. And how does it impact or talk to or have a relevance to every life like when I was a kid one of the things we had a bible at home uh, and it was one of those things for uh, we kept all the confirmations sacramentals marriages baptisms in it brilliant and it was very useful as a child because I used to be able to stand on it and get up and get the biscuits (laughs) and that's what it was used for as Catholics we weren't really trusted with it if we wanted to know what was in scripture, we went to Mass on Sunday and the priest told us. So Ecumenical Bible Week is an attempt uh, uh, to basically get back to our roots uh, as Christians uh, and look at what we share in common, look at how we can uh, support each other, how we can enliven each other, but also we how we can have critical issues or critical discussions around our own faith. There's about three different dimensions to it and it's evolved over the years. It's, it's been basically one of the highlights of the year in a sense. There's a symposium that is basically studious, yeah? um, that can look at around issues that we've discussed that year and basically discuss those and whatever that, that's happening again this year. There's uh, what's called Thinking Aloud where some of the heavyweights in the churches are archbishops and are, uh, from both the Church of Ireland and whatever, but also from the evangelical churches and whatever will come together and it's Thinking Aloud, A-L-L-O-W-E-D, not Thinking Out Loud, can come together and they give a, an input on, but then it's an open floor. You can get a chance, an opportunity to ask them questions, something that doesn't happen that often. And that has been one of the most well-attended events of it. There's a parish programme, um, I think it's in, I could be wrong, but I think it's 18 different parishes this year, where there's speakers throughout the whole diocese, um, basically speaking on different topics. This this year the topic is basically handing on the faith, right? 
Um, I think the title that they used was um, The Great Commission about the crisis in hand and on the faith. And it's something that's very topical at the minute. It's something, especially with the world making of families coming up and families being the centre of it. Uh, everything from grandparents down, how can we pass on that faith and what is the faith that we're looking to pass on? So there's talks going on across the diocese that week, 20th to the 27th. There's an opening and a closing to it. Luther House uh, are having sort of an input on the end and on the start. Uh, there's also a, a Pentecost program that logs in schools with the Scripture Union basically are involved in, and what happens is in, in a, they run a program with a qualified and a, a professional cartoonist where kids take apart, children take apart and put together the Pentecost story and, and produce these little cartoon booklets of, of how it fits in. So there's a lot in it. Um, last year and all we had a we, we brought together the musical traditions of each of, each of the different traditions and we had a fabulous, uh, we used it as a closing ceremony last year, a fabulous eclectic mix of different music styles, to everything from rap to Gregorian chant to Romanian, whatever. It was, so it's just bringing together that both creative, dynamic expression of people's faith. I'll give a wee plug this year myself, I'm talking down in our club on the Tuesday night and we have a talk here, Kathy Burke is actually talking here on, on the Monday night um, and I'm talking on something a little bit different. <laughs> it's an interesting topic then that you're speaking on this year um, and yeah. this is something that I think uh, might capture people's imaginations. I think, uh, you know, there's a kind of a lighthearted way of looking at it but also, you know, there's obviously very serious in everything that we're doing at the moment uh, in Ireland and, and all the kind of conversations that we're having. But there is a there is a core truth that's at the centre of it. Uh, so the, the topic of your of your talk is the topic of my talk this year is uh, can we talk about our faith without being annoying? Okay, and I, I presume it's not as short uh, getting up and saying no. <laughs> there is kind of uh, moving on from that. Yeah, well, well, maybe if I if I tell you where it comes from. Yeah. Okay. Um, it comes from about three different experiences. Um, the first is, uh, I'm married myself and I have three kids. My, my, my youngest is 13, my oldest is 18. Uh, and I have a son in the middle, two, two daughters either end and a son in the middle who's uh, 16 this year. As a parent, as someone working in the church, I've been doing my best to try and pass on whatever broken, whatever idea of faith and church that I have to them. My kids, who are, the, who are the, I love them to bits, uh, the, the, my biggest achievement in life. They're proud of what I do. They're very proud of their father. Yeah. They won't tell anybody what I do. Yeah. <laughs> It'll never appear on Snapchat, Instagram or whatever. If we're running initiatives or programs or whatever for young people and I ask them, you know, don't do it. Um, they slag me, uh, slag me at times. Call me Mister Flanders or <laughs> Simpsons. I'm all about the church again, you know. Um, so it's basically just trying to find a way to speak, and it's not even the gener- generation X or Generation Y or whatever, whatever our young people. But our church has moved on, and our society has moved on so quickly. Change is probably the biggest indicator in the last ten years, and and the world has changed so much. But if we believe in our gospel message, we have to speak into that. And we have to listen to it as well. Um, but the two other experiences, one was in the church itself. We were doing a Do This in Memory Mass. It was around the time of the change of the missile, when they changed the wording yeah. of the missile. 
and and I, I I was in the sacristy before the mass, so they do this in memory mass. Lord, young children preparing for communion, uh, and their families where the mass church was packed. So, but just before the mass, I was in in the sacristy with. Uh, four priests and we were having this unbelievably theological uh, and intellectual discussion around whether it was right that the wording would change and not change and whatever it was great so it was was really intellectual and theological gymnastics and that whole row that was going on the german church of the changing of the consecration the words of the consecration you know uh, he came for many and or he came for all and you know so we listen we were big into it right but we had to cut it short to go out for the mass, and we said we'd pick it up after. And I was giving me all few bits and pieces into it. So the mass happened, and after the mass, this little kid walked up to me, and it was Eucharistic prayer too. And I never forget it. You know, um, where the Jew fall, you mm. know, like a Jew fall on the grass. This little kid comes up to me, seven, eight year old, and tugs on my shirt. And I says, Mister Brown, Mister Brown, um, can you tell me? Um, my mommy says, do you know that part where it says the Jews fall? Um, my mummy says that's because they killed Jesus, and uh, is that right? And that's why the Jews fall on the ground. Uh, and but my mummy says she she said it was that and told me to tell ask you yeah is that is that what it was? And I went oh my god no it's not J E W it's D E W the Jew on the grass. So I left the kid and I walked back in, and I says, the, the, the debate was just about the start again. I said let's listen forget it. We can say and think we're saying all we want. At the end of the day, what's said and what's heard is two different Very things. Very different things, yeah. Two yeah. different things. Yeah. Um, so, be honest, lads, we need to get to the base of it. And the last little one, and it's only a short little experience, the last little thing feeding into it was a few weeks back, we were in the church and I was working with a couple of young people and we were talking about, just talking about how we can get young people involved is the common thing that's been going on for years you know young people are the future of the church no they're not you know yeah. young people are the church today and they were coming up with fabulous and beautiful and wonderful ideas and i find myself in the back of my head knowing the structures within parish and knowing what well, well we can't do that because of but yet this was a genuine expression for them we want to we want to now you're giving them guidance or stuff that was totally off the wall that you couldn't do but I had my work head on, and I, it left me shook because afterwards I'm saying to myself, how can we stifle the expression of these young people who genuinely were searching in their faith, mightn't have had the faith language to use on it, but we're looking for a way to sh- express love, express hope, express joy, express sorrow, express whatever. And I'm going, mm, yeah, yeah, we want you to be involved, but... <laughs> no. But on our terms kind of thing, and yeah. that, can, that can be difficult. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, because it, it, each of this kind of stories that you've told, which have inspired this talk, each seem to kind of come down to the world out there and the world, or the church ad intra, do you know what I mean? It's ad intra, not extra, you know what I mean? It's the theological terms. But the sense of our placement is that we seem to have an understanding as to where we as believers are, um, and then the world that's out there which is somehow kind of untouched by it and, and maybe we can hopefully try to get through life untouched by the world but that's not actually what we're called to do and it's trying to find and, and you're, you're, you're talking about the you know, listening is something that seems to kind of keep coming up and hearing I think you know the difference between listening you can listen to someone and not really hear what they're saying but actually hearing what they're saying and then trying to 
not change everything just for the sake of it, but to try and find a way that you might be able to invite that person into some type of experience that makes well, sense. Well, if I, put, if I put it to you this way, um, but I, I've yet to find someone without a spirituality, even the greatest, greatest atheist, and I apologize if I offend anybody, but even the greatest atheist I, I've met uh, self-proclaimed and whatever has a spirituality of some kind so I'm not trying to find a fit, fit a square peg into a round hole but neither am I telling them that they're right, wrong or indifferent because of yeah. and even within my own family, my brothers and sisters and whatever, the, the arguments around church and whatever that we have um, comes from an experience or a bad experience or Murphy report or whatever, or whatever. you know you hear these things time again but to me in essence, and I have studied the Bible and studied the gospel and have my own struggles with faith. To me, it, the message is simple, right? The message, at the end of the day, and I was just doing a thing up for kids earlier for the Sunday's reading, it's love. Now, it's convoluted and as background and as tough and as hard and all that is, it's love. So at the end of the day, the scripture message, the gospel message, the church message, the message of faith is that you're loved, you're lovable and you're capable of sharing that love, right? So you're loved, what does that mean? You're loved, you as you are loved. Enough, not, well, if you do this, if you do no. you're loved, you're lovable. So even when you hate yourself, there's somebody who loves you. And no matter how dark things get, no matter how lone things get, no matter how afraid you are, no matter how, yeah, there's someone there who loves you. And you're capable of sharing that love with others. That's it's simple, but it's capable of sharing. You're capable of sharing that and bringing that love to others. Right? I think, and what I found is, we can listen to people, right? The ones who appreciate that message that the most are those who either haven't heard it or haven't heard it in the time, or are basically are in that position where. They, they need to hear it. No one, society's not telling it to them. We as a church aren't because they're not coming through our doors, right? Uh, and because we're not going out to them. <laughs> so they're the most appreciative. So we can listen, listen's part of it. But at the end of the day, um, you can listen all you want. But there's some people that just don't have a voice either within our church or within our society. And they're the ones who are the most appreciative of the message. So you need to get up so the language, but you need to get off your backside and you need to go and say, if this faith means something to us, and by the way, you're not alone. I mean, in this area, suicide, mental health, isolation, loneliness are all massive problems and have been. So tell me in a situation where someone wanted to be heard or didn't have the words to say it, how much difference, and we hear that, we, we, we look at the reports and we look at the reviews and we look at the statistics and whatever, how much difference would have it made if someone was standing there going, yeah, you're okay. I'm not, here, I'm not here to give you an answer. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but you're okay. You're loved, you're, you're mm. not alone. And there's a challenge that goes with that too, um, in a way, the challenge is primarily, I think, for those who have heard this message and for whom it makes sense, or for people who have heard it and feel it, to, as you say, get up off their backside and get out there and to share it. Because I think, I remember speaking uh, to, to somebody once uh, and they were saying, you know, they, they were speaking to a group of people who you would imagine within a church setting should know this message. And he said that he was speaking to them and one of the people put up their hand and he's, you know, talking about 
having had an experience of the Holy Spirit and having received this message, knowing this message is true. <clears throat> and one of the people put up their hand and said, how do you know if you've received the message and if it makes sense? And the, the guy's point was, well, by very virtue of the fact that you're asking that question means that, that you haven't. But so, so there is a challenge then maybe for people, if they have experienced it, to share because that is what we're called to do. When we're talking about our faith, we usually, and we talk about people who evangelize, even the term evangelization, what, what, what does it mean, right? When we're talking about these things, what we're talking about, or what the image that comes to, to mind is that stereotypical image of the evangelical standing on the corner beating the overhead with a, with a Bible, you know? And, and even from the church side of stuff, we're not really good at telling good news <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know the gospel is what i mean what gospel mean gospel means good news we're not really good at saying good news and as irish catholics and i'm saying irish catholics irish christians so yeah but irish catholics more we're almost apologetic for the faith we have then in a certain area of the church there's an off, often an arrogance that we have a now I'll qualify this there's an arrogance that we have a faith to pass on yes we do have a faith to pass on but it's not a set of rubrics and rules and regulations and whatever it starts first and foremost with the experience of Jesus I mean, unless you don't have uh, a, a relationship with this one person like even using that language I could turn so many people off yeah but first and foremost, it starts with experience. And I'd set a challenge out to anybody listening to this. Go into your parish, go into your own community, go into your community of faith, whatever shape or form that is. Look and see, is there opportunities? Or just critically have a look around and see practically, is there any opportunities for people to come together and just share what their faith is? I would posit to say there's very few but doesn't it mean to say that there's not opportunities that could be taken oh, for that to happen there? But, but in, in the structures that we have them there, there's probably not opportunities. But the importance of testimony in those things, because there's a power that comes with that, isn't there? Anybody with faith at the minute is almost like uh, an alien. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anybody actually says they believe in a God and, and is willing to put their head above a parapet mm. and say, yes, I, 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 you know, do I have it right? No. Am I trying to justify it? No. Am I trying to defend it? No, I'm just telling you this is who I am mm. and this is why it means to me. To me, faith is one of the biggest gifts that we've been given and can give. But I don't think it's our job to give it conditionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we need yeah, to listen to the sign of the times. We need to listen, I mean, even, I'm going to use a phrase that was I, I remember from my theology, to be attuned to the, to the Spirit working and breathing in, in the life of the church and the community today, right? Again, look at the words. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I think we have been given a template for how we should do it. And it's there in Luke 24. Mm. It's looking on the road, the, the road to Emmaus. Two disciples walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place of holiness, sanctity, of salvation, of whatever. So they're actually walking away. Right, Jesus died. They're buggering off the other direction. So they're walking away from the place where they go. How many people in our Irish church <laughs> are walking away? Peter McVeary uses the phrase, the prophets are walking. You know, most of the prophets are walking away. And Jesus joins them the two of them are discussing what's going on and jesus joins them and the greek uh, and scripture scholars i'm not a scripture scholar but scripture scholars can cut me down here but the greek is their steps his steps join theirs so it's not so much that he walks side by side his steps join theirs and what does he do first they recounted their story he asked them what they were doing they recounted their story 
He met them where they were, not where he expected them to be, not where he wished them to be, not where they should be. He didn't turn around and say, yeah, that's okay, but <laughs> you need to. He allowed them first and foremost to tell their story in their words, in their experience. The Bible doesn't say he cut across them and uh, corrected them. <laughs> Neither does it turn around and say, listen, that's lovely, right? But what you need to do, uh, if, no, only after they told their story. He then started to unlock the scriptures and said, well, did you not understand? Gentle, mm. right? Very gentle. Again, after after he heard their story, what happens next? Scripture says he goes to move on, so he doesn't force. We've got you, come in. I mean, one of the things I find in Paris is volunteer fatigue is unbelievable. You get someone, and then either we do this, yeah. we do this. He goes as if to move on. He waits for the invite, mm. and he's well. Just do you want to come back for a meal with us? Mm. They invite. He doesn't force himself upon mm-hmm. them. He follows, he goes back, he goes back to where they live. He doesn't bring them to, right, now that I've told you, here we go. And then, it's in the breaking of the bread, they recognise him. What's last in that whole thing? The Mass. Where do we start? The Mass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where should we be starting? Really interesting one, because you speak to, uh, there's there's a phrase that's being used, um, Think Catholic voices have coined it the idea of witnessing not winning and I think sometimes when, when we think of the church what the church calls us to do is to win people for Christ um, and so you you ultimately kind of go with the truth and you try and beat them over the head with that and yet if we go back to the root cause of what Christ did not beautiful um, understanding of the Emmaus story there uh, really is a sense of witnessing really is a sense of meeting people where they're at and allowing our feet to join them that can be terrifying because you're not quite sure. What if they didn't call him back? You know what I mean? What if What if they never stopped their story or they went and talked about something else and didn't allow him? But it's that patience of allowing people to experience it and then, then moving with them. I think baseline, witness set of stuff, it's the life you live, the experience, think of those who inspired you, think of those who whatever. It was their inspiration, it was their experience, it was how they related that faith back to their own life, how they made it relevant to your life. I think what we're about, in essence, again, I haven't got it all together. I'm still trying to figure all this out myself, but live it because life's Mm. too short. But I think what we're about, in essence, is creating an opportunity, possibly, possibly, daring to believe that we can create an opportunity where people have the possibility of having an encounter with this living Mm. Jesus Mm. in their terms, in their experience, in the technological world, in the whatever, yeah, and and being making that real message, walking in their steps, our footsteps in theirs, because of one of the things that we tend to do is when we talk about walking in people's footsteps or being with them or listening to the experience, it's almost like we come down to their level right, or yeah. we bring ourselves up to mm. no 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 anecdotally or whatever, it's they're adding to our experience. Mm. I said a little phrase, maybe, and hopefully it doesn't get lost uh, at the very beginning, and I'll say it again. The gospel's being rewritten. Scripture scholars take me apart in that. But we're, if gospel is good news, and if the Holy Spirit is still alive in the lives of the people in our church and our community of faith and our whatever, the gospel is being rewritten, is being opened, is being whatever, through the lives of people we meet. And every person we meet is an opportunity, not just, and this is the thing we can, I think we tend to get wrong, um, not just to expand their experience of Jesus, yeah, <laughs> but for them to expand our mm. experience. Mm-hmm. You know, a key part of the Bible is the white page. 
it's not just the, the, the words in black, it's the white page as well, because it's how you interact with it and how God reveals himself to you through your reading of that passage. That, that is as much how the Bible stays alive today and at the different parts of your life, you can read the same passage but see different things or it speaks to you in different ways. And I think in that way, it makes sense that the scripture is still kind of being rewritten or, or reopened in many ways. Um, and, and that's something that's uh, quite profound. It seems to me that uh, this something like Ecumenical Bible Week, therefore, is so vitally important. And this is a, a beautiful opportunity to walk alongside others, not from a sense of, well, we're going to finally teach these guys where the one true faith is, or uh, on, on you know another denomination side, we're going to finally teach Catholics about what, the, what scripture is. You know, um, It seems like a really beautiful moment for people to walk alongside each other and to really uh, encounter scriptures and God in those moments and in the fragility of that. It is, it is. And it's not the only opportunity, you know. Yeah. It's a fantastic opportunity. And I, I, I encourage and openly encourage anyone and everyone who's out there, even if they can't come along to the talks and the podcasts and the parish things and this this uh, symposiums, have a look at BibleWeek.ie. You'll get, a, you'll get a run-through of everything that's going on there. But even consider the question, handing on the faith. There, there's an awful lot in that because it assumes we have a faith to hand on what is your faith who's this god you believe in is it just the remit of the grandparents and those here off the wall like myself <laughs> you know we'll willing to talk about it the flanders of the, the, the mr flanders of this world just even for that week consider the question is it worthwhile handing on faith do you think it is something worthwhile to hand on does it mean something to you or is it just a, you know is it just something you plug into, you know, when someone dies or someone's sick or someone whatever, I'll talk to God then. But that feeling that you're loved all the time, that someone loves you no matter what, even when you can't love yourself, is that something worthwhile to you? If it is, what does it mean to you and how can you share that with someone else? This faith, if it means something to you, don't keep it to yourself. Look for opportunities to let people know fundamentally what you believe in. Don't be afraid nor apologetic turn around and say, well, no. <laughs> so it's not the massive, huge, great, large, but it's the simple little things. And Pope Francis in the Laudato Si said, uh, says basically, it's the God in the common every day. Look at God in the ordinary, or the extraordinary in the ordinary. Mm. It's looking at the changing of the nappy, that love. You know, it's mm. the it's it's God in the down down and dirty. It's 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 those everyday experiences where you see love happening don't let them go hmm. yeah, yeah, don't yeah. let them go there's, there's plenty of challenges in there for people anyway the name of your talk again is can we talk about our faith without being annoying that's fantastic I think plenty of people would uh, get a huge amount out of that um, and I'd be interested to see what the final answer is um, interesting to see how, what your thesis is at the end Frank thank you so much for today I think there's a huge amount in there I really appreciate uh, everything that you said brilliant to hear all about ecumenical Bible Week and everything that's happened so thank you very much pleasure keep up the good work <laughs>